The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up, inspirational author and speaker Christine Kane encourages us to get out of our comfort zones and move past our past. Jesus Christ came to redeem me from that pain and that brokenness. He took my abuse, He took my shame, He took my guilt, He took my pain, and He died on a cross for all of that. And He's the kicker. He rose again from the dead so that I can have resurrection life. Moving past your past by taking a leap of faith. Next on Life Today. Welcome this wonderful audience and all of you. Christine Kane is one of the greatest, most gifted, anointed communicators I know. She's talking about something that's really important. Matter of fact, I've been talking to some of our national leaders and others in the last days as we have visited and prayed about how important it is for us to get past the past, not be held captive by our own misdeeds, our own mistakes, our own pain, our own problems but to actually press on beyond. And one of the ways people are held captive oftentimes is a root of bitterness and a spirit of unforgiveness. Well, whatever it is that holds you in prison that has happened back sometime in the past, as Christine will show, you've got to get past the past. I think you're really going to be blessed. You're going to love the closing story she tells because I hope it sends you out to be what Jesus has left us all here to be. Here's Christine Kane. Welcome, Christine. We went to the zoo and I went to the lion cages. And this is what was fascinating to me. The lions were just docile. They were just so tame and domesticated. And they're in their cages and they're caged in and they're tame and domesticated. And I said to my husband, I said, this is what happens to many of us in the church. Jesus created us to be untamed, to be wild, to be undomesticated for the cause of the king and his kingdom. And we get into the cage of religion and we start to assume this certain persona and we become safe and nice and domesticated and we're just waiting for the rapture, just us four and no more, hurry up, Jesus. And we're just kind of like sitting here and Jesus goes, I did not give my life and rise again from the dead just so that you can live a nice, little, safe, comfortable, complacent nine to five, four weeks and you'll leave, leave just nice, little, ordinary life. I called you to live a faith adventure. I invited you to follow me. Christine, that didn't stop when you got married. That didn't stop when you had children. I've called you on a faith adventure and if you would continue to take a risk, you could move past your past. You don't need to stop at any one season of life. You can keep moving through the seasons. You can keep following me. Your latter days can be greater than your former days and the best is yet to come. That's the adventure of Jesus Christ. He continues to call us forward. I don't want, I don't want to be a boring 50 year old. My kid is going to be in like third grade when I'm 50. I don't want to be, you know, I want to be super granny for Jesus. <laughs> I want my kids
kids to go, Mom, take a chill pill. I'm so embarrassed. I want to be on fire because I think the more we know him, the more we walk into our future with him, then you and I should be ready for greater risk than ever. I remember when the Lord spoke to us about starting the A21 campaign. I had seen the posters of the young women in Greece, in Thessaloniki, and children, and I saw these posters of all these missing kids, and I went on to find out that they were the alleged victims of human trafficking. I was in my early 40s. I already had a, a, a global ministry, and I was not looking for anything new to do. I was already maxed out. I just had my second child. I mean, I think I deserved an award to have my second child in my early 40s, and I, was, I thought that in itself is great. And then drops into my heart, Christine, I want you to start this. And all I saw originally was just all my own limitations. God, how can I do this? And we start with our butts. But God, I can't do this. But God, I live in Australia. Do you know how far Australia is from Greece? And I could just imagine God saying, Gabriel, can you bring me a GPS? I, I, don't, I don't quite know. I, I'm trying to work this out. Anyone got a map book? I, I'm lost. Anyone? Geography. I failed in God's school. And so, you know... You start with all your butts, but God, I can't. But God, I'm a woman. And God's in heaven going, I had no idea. Anyone that Peter, did you know she's a chick? Oh, well. <laughs> well, I but, but, but. You know what I, I seriously believe we need in the body of Christ? We need a serious butectomy. <laughs> you can go and open the medical journal. I'm sure it's listed in there. <laughs> Google butectomy on the other side of the screen. We need to get our big butts out of the way. Because it's not about what I cannot do. It's about who he is and what he wants to do in and through my life. It's not about my limitations. It's about God's purpose for my life. And at some point, your past isn't just the negative stuff that's happened to you. You could have been walking with the Lord, but the truth is you didn't take a step into your future with the Lord. You haven't taken one for the last 10 years. Your life's great. You're going to church every week. You're reading the Bible. You're paying your tithe. You're even watching me on the, end, on the other side of this screen. But you've not taken a risk. You've not stepped into the future that God has for you. You haven't obeyed the last five things he's told you to do because you're stuck in what you were doing. You're still stuck in the past. And if you're going to get past that past... And if you're going to get past good to go to God's great, you're going to have to take some risks. Some risks where people are going to look at you and think you are weird. I don't think anyone's called me normal for 25 years. <laughs> I take that as the highest compliment. I don't want to be normal. Normality is highly overrated. I'm telling you, it's highly overrated. And so many of us spend so much time worrying about what everyone else thinks and those people are really not thinking anything and they don't care about us anyway. And we care more about man's opinion than we do God's opinion. And when we, as women of God, get to the place where we care more about what God thinks than what we care about what man thinks, then I'm telling you, we're going to step into the destiny that God has for us. Other people, the opinions of girlfriends, the opinions of family and friends... We've got to come to a place where we say, God, I'm ready to take a risk. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do and I'm ready to be what you've called me to be. You know what? My tr the truth is, if God could do it for me, God could do it for anyone. If God could take an unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted girl that should have been a statistic. I'm sure there are people watching this on the other side of the screen and you're thinking, man, Chris, if you just knew my life, if you just knew my life, the truth is I've been the person on the other side and I know what it is to be bound and I know what it is to be free and I know which I prefer. And he whom the sun sets free shall be free indeed. You can step into the destiny and the purpose and the life that Jesus Christ came to give you, but you've got to be willing to take some risks and you've got to be willing to look foolish.
if you're going to move past the past into the future, both the good and the bad past, then you have got to be prepared to look foolish. I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world. Exhibit A. As I read this, I want you to see this. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It would be just like God to show off through some little unnamed, unwanted chick from the backside of the desert and say, you know what? Everyone's going to look at her and think it's got to be me because it ain't her, that's for sure. And you know what? Every time you think you can't, you just have to know that he can and that it is just like him to weave together all the challenge of your past so that he can use it to give somebody else a future. But are you willing to look like a fool? And really what I want to read to you is uh, this list because from Genesis to Revelation in the Scripture... It's only people that have been willing to look like fools that have done anything significant for God. And, you know, could you imagine how foolish Noah looked when he was building an ark in a desert? Can you imagine everyone saying, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? I don't know. <laughs> but I know rain's coming. What's rain? I haven't got a clue. Oh, so you're building I don't know for I don't have a clue. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like that most days of my life. But what are you doing, Christine? 47, two kids traveling. I, I don't know, really. Haven't got a clue. As soon as I know, I'll let you know. Can you imagine Moses? How foolish he looked with his little stick. What are you going to do with that, Mo? See that Red Sea? Yep, yep, me and this stick, Red Sea. Can you imagine how foolish he looked? Can you imagine how foolish Sarah looked in the maternity department at Walmart? <laughs> what are you doing, Sarah? Buying some baby clothes. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's in there. He's there. Could you imagine how foolish... But see, most of us, we're not prepared to say I'm pregnant with a dream of God because I'm too old. I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s. And we think everyone will laugh at us because we're pregnant with a God dream at that stage. And we're not willing to look foolish to everyone else so we won't take the risk of faith it requires to give birth to the dream that God has. Can you imagine how foolish the Israelites looked as they marched around the walls of Jericho? Toga, sandals, a little chauffeur, no... AK-47s, no missiles, no nothing. No, no, what are you doing? Uh, walking around. Yeah, yeah, six days, seven, six times. Yep, yep, then we're going to shout. And those 30-foot impenetrable walls, yep, they're going to come down. Because that's normally the battle plans God gives us. They're, like, ridiculous. And so how foolish we look. Could you imagine how foolish David looked? Little stick, little Goliath, nine-foot giant, five little stones, slingshot. Wow, knock yourself out. Well, I'm planning to knock him out, but anyway, we'll see what happens. Can you imagine how foolish Esther looked? going to a king when she wasn't summoned. Can you imagine those lepers we talked about, how foolish they looked as they said, we're going to go in to Samaria. They would have looked so foolish. Can you imagine how foolish Caleb looked at 85? I'm not cashing in my 501k. No, no. See Hebron? That's what Moses promised me. I'm not giving up until then. I don't care if an entire generation died in the wilderness. I don't care if another generation's gone in to possess the promise. I'm 85 and I'm as young now as I was then. I want that mountain. Now that looks pretty foolish because the whole world's saying, let's retire. We didn't come to earth to retire. In case you're wondering on the other side of the screen, this is not your retirement program. That happens in heaven. This is where we come to help everyone that doesn't know Jesus here come to heaven with us. That's what this is all about. We didn't come to earth to retire. Can you imagine how foolish the wise men looked on the camels? What are you looking for? A little star, there's a Messiah. Awesome. Can you imagine how foolish Peter looked stepping out of the boat? 
Can you imagine how foolish the woman with the issue of blood looked as she reached and grabbed the hem of his garment? Can you imagine how foolish Paul and Silas look in prison? And they're singing, shout to the Lord. Can you imagine how foolish the little boy's lunch looked in light of 15,000 people that needed to be fed? Can you imagine how foolish Mary looked when she turned up to her girlfriends and said it was an angel? <laughs> hey, Joe, I know what we haven't done and you know what we haven't done, but it was an angel. Anyway, and so, and Jesus Christ certainly looked foolish to a generation hanging on a cross, mocked and ridiculed and scorned. But what happens when you're willing to be foolish? What happens when you're willing to take a risk and look foolish? Well, Noah was saved from the flood and Moses did see the Red Sea part and Sarah did give birth to Isaac and the Israelites saw the walls of Jericho fall and David did behead Goliath and Esther did stop a Jewish genocide and the lepers did see the Syrian army flee and Caleb did get Hebron and the wise men did see the Messiah and Peter did walk on water and the woman with the issue of blood was healed and Paul and Silas were freed from prison and the little boy's lunch fed 5,000 and Mary did give birth to Jesus and Jesus Christ got off that cross and he defeated hell and death and he gave us the life beyond our path. I'm telling you, there is a lot of power in daring to look foolish. I refuse to allow my past to limit my future and as foolish as I might look to this world, then I am willing to take a risk of faith to spend all of this thing called life. I don't want to come to the end of my life and discover that I never lived. I don't want to come to the end of my life and stand before Jesus and say, well, I was abused and I was hurt. That's why I never did what you put me on earth to do. During my vapor, I allowed one thing to stop me from doing everything. I was abused for 12 years. But you know, as I'm talking to you today, as you're listening to this on the other side of the screen, the truth is I have not been being abused. Well, I'm 47 now. I was abused for 12 years. I haven't been being abused for 35 years. So why will I allow 12 years? to dictate my entire life when I actually haven't been being abused for a whole lot longer than I was abused. Some of you have got stuck in a moment, a divorce, a pain, an abuse, a moment in time, a teacher that said you're dumb, a teacher that said that you're stupid, something that happened to you. And that thing was a season of your life and you've allowed a, a season to define your entire life rather than understanding that, you know what, Jesus Christ came to redeem me from that pain and that brokenness. He took my abuse, he took my shame, he took my guilt, he took my pain and he died on a cross for all of that and here's the kicker he rose again from the dead so that I can have resurrection life that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and it lives on the inside of me and that same Holy Spirit empowers us to move beyond our past into the future and the destiny that Jesus Christ has for us every single one of us ladies every single one of us you know his my little girl is obsessed with flashlights my little Sophia obsessed and um, she actually loves little Barbie flashlights. And I was preaching somewhere and, and then um, it was about, it was very late at night and the only place I could get her a flashlight was from Walmart. And us Australians, we, we love Walmart. It's like a tourist attraction. We, we get our phones out and we Twitter to the world. I'm in Walmart and all the Americans are like, so what? And the rest of the world is like, awesome, take pictures. And so, and that's because, you know, it's the only place in the world that you can go at three o'clock in the morning and buy breakfast, cereal and underwear and a gun. It's fantastic. It's just all there. And so I, um, and so my little girl wanted a, a Barbie, you know, flashlight. And she actually, um, 
You know, back then, if I said to her, Sophia, is Jesus in your heart? She would say, no, mummy. Daddy said we are not allowed to have boys. And so Barbie is in my heart and Jesus is in my tummy. And so, you know, we, we worked on that theologically, but she wanted a Barbie flashlight. And so I bought her a little flashlight, put the batteries in, and then I turned to the cashier so that I could pay for it. And then my little girl, who at the time was three, she yells out to me, she's turning on the flashlight. And if you've ever been in a Walmart, you know with all the fluorescent lighting, you can't see the flashlight once you turn the flashlight on. So she turns it on. She obviously can't see the light, so she yells at me. She goes, Mummy, can we please go and find some darkness? And when she said that, I turned around, I thought, out of the mouth of babes. Mm. If I put Sophia in a room and lock that basement without any lights, you would hear that kid from Australia to America. But if I give that kid a tiny Barbie flashlight, then she not only shuts that basement door, she goes as deep as she can, looking as deep as she can for the most darkness that she can because she knows that darkness cannot touch her while she has the light in her hand. It is not the magnitude of the darkness around her, but the power of the light within her hand that dispels that darkness. And Jesus says, you have got the same spirit that raised me from the dead, that lives on the inside of you. Now take that light. Don't live safe. Go out of your comfort zone. Move past your past and step into a dark and a dying world and illuminate the darkness with the light and the life and the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, Christine, I've, I've, I've told that story so many times. Betty, don't you love it? I do. A little child holding a little light. Let's go outside and find the and darkness. And that's what we're supposed to be, is a light. Absolutely. We've been left here on divine mm -hmm. assignment. And you don't allow the light of his love and his life and his truth to be covered by any form of comfort or compromise or just uh, contentment. Uh, we were left here to pierce the darkness. And no need in cursing the darkness. Talking about what's wrong if you haven't let the light shine where you are and haven't been praying for the witness of the church to be a bright light to the whole nation. And that's what we need. One of the things that you as our viewers have done so beautifully and so undeniably Christ-like is that you have reached out in love and you have touched people who felt no one cared, no one understood. You have actually become the answer to people's prayers that were so desperate that they thought there was absolutely no hope. You're going to hear that kind of heart cry and you're going to know, boy, I love the way this closes because it's going to ask a very specific question that you can give the most positive, powerful, appropriate answer to. You'll want to watch this closely because what can happen is very, very exciting and very real. In Africa, the rainy season is often anything but. 
thirsty crops begin to fail, and the first victims are the children. Paulina has been here before. Not enough food for a single person, much less her entire family. And her desperation draws up the grief of children lost because she knows she could face it again. Her future unknown, Paulina fights hopelessness and persists in prayer that a miracle will come. Will you be that miracle today? Betty, when you see that precious mother and you see the little bitty meager amounts of food and there she is trying to sweep her little dirt floor and I can promise you if she found any morsel of food, she'd collect it. And by the way, these people who uh, <clears throat> appear to be so poor, and they are, they actually try to keep their meager things neat. Those are precious mothers. And uh, when you hear her heart cry, what happens in your heart is you look out at our viewers and realize we could feed those children and we've been able to do it. What do you want to happen? We have fed many of the children that we've asked you to help us with and we couldn't do it without your help to feed these children. And the mothers, it just breaks my heart. I can't even imagine losing five children. We've lost one and that hurts bad enough. So the heartache of that mother has to be enormous. And she's got children left, as you could see, and she doesn't want them to die like the others have died. She just needs food for them. She has nowhere to turn. She's down to that little bit in that can. I can't even imagine. But we can reach out and love and hope and help these mothers that are so desperate for their children. They just need food. It's a simple solution to that. So let's join together and let's get the food to them for her precious babies. And it's something we've been doing for more than 20 years and saving millions of lives. And the, she referenced a little bowl of porridge. We had already gotten to her. So there will be a feeding uh, area set up right there for that little baby you saw. Precious little child, when I look at him, I feel like Jesus wants to pick him up. And I think we're his arms to pick him up. I think we're his hands. I think we express the love that's in his heart. And the missionaries are there. They planted their lives in the midst of pain and suffering. But they have planted their lives there because there is hope that love offers. They have that hope in their heart. Their hands are anxious to help. But we're the ones that give the missionaries and relief workers the food to distribute, the care that they need to set up the feeding lines, the little heat-resistant bowls that our viewers said we want those children to have. So what we're asking you to do right now, and we come to you just a few times a year, and we say, would you help us take care of, at this time, 400,000 little children like the one you just saw there with that precious mother? Would you help us? And let me tell you how wonderfully God answers prayer. A group of our friends said, we so believe in this. But you tell the viewers if they'll help, we're going to match the gift that they give to reach 50,000 of those children. So if you make a gift... We'll match it, which means that 
30, 50, or 100, which feeds three, five, or 10, well, you make one of those gifts and suddenly the 30 takes care of six and, and the $50 takes care of 10 and it, it doubles everything that you're doing. Now you're not just caring for 10 with that $100 gift, but 20. $1,000 doesn't just care for 100, but now 200. A $1,000 gift will do that. It will multiply immediately. So would you simply dial the number there? or go to lifetoday.org and take your bank card and make the best gift you can. Thank you so much for doing that. Father, I pray every person who saw that mother and heard her heart cry will become an answer to the heart cry of hundreds of thousands of mothers in behalf of their precious children. In Jesus' name, lifetoday.org or dial the number, use your bank card. Would you please like a check? If you write a check, make it to life because that's what you're giving. But call us and tell us what you're sending. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you on behalf of those mothers and those children. Thank you. In remote and impoverished areas of Angola, Africa, families are suffering. Crops have failed. There is no food. And those hit the hardest are the children. In response to this crisis, Life Outreach has received a 50,000 children challenge that with your help will feed and minister to 100,000 children over the next few months. With previous food reserves gone and Angola facing a severe food shortage due to crop failure, this challenge could not have come at a better time. To help replenish supplies for the feeding programs touching the lives of children across Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. The 50,000 Children Challenge means more children can be saved and your gift will have a double impact, helping to feed twice as many children. Your gift of $30 to help feed three children will now be double to help feed six children. Gifts of $50 to help feed five children will be double to help save 10. And gifts of $100 for 10 children will be double to help feed and care for 20 children. And with a gift of $1,000 or more, you can double your impact to help feed 200 children and also request the Majesty Bronze Sculpture featuring a beautiful buck and regal stance reflecting God's presence and majesty in all the earth. Please call the number seen here, write life, or go online today to lifetoday.org and make your life-saving double impact gift today. You know, I think this is majestic. I call these actually, when you see wildlife, it's bronze by God. And that artists try to copy, they can't ever quite capture it, but it is majestic. And this gift, uh, this beautiful bronze is sent to those of you who will help us give the food necessary to care for a hundred children for the next months with a gift of a thousand dollars. Only in this instance, you'll be caring for 200. It'll be doubled. Isn't that amazing? Whatever you do right now, has that opportunity of simply doubling in its impact. Thank you so much for sharing the love of God. And thank all of you here in the audience for being with us. Tell your friends to watch Life Today and visit the stream every day. Stream.org.
I, I just want a banner that just says prayer works. Like yeah. it actually gets things done. Tomorrow, best-selling author John Eldridge. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.